Welcome to Podcast, the business of dentistry podcast, brought to you by Practice Plan. Podcast delivers the best business advice, real life stories, and practical hints and tips to make your practice a more profitable and sustainable business. And now, here's your host. Welcome to this episode of Podcast. My name is Amelia Wright and I'm brand and communication consultant here at Practice Plan. I'm delighted to be joined by Joanna Hooper today. Hi, Joanna. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I wondered if we could just start things off by if you could uh, introduce yourself, tell us a bit about who you are and what you do. Yes, it's my real pleasure to be here. So thank you for the invite. Um, So I'm a performance coach specialising with leaders. What does that mean? Um, I spend a lot of time in the psychology of performance. So uh, what's going on in our noggins that may or may not be helping us perform at our best and specialising in leaders from my time in the military uh, kind of leadership is something I'm very passionate about. And so just helping people be the best that they can be and then by extension, helping other people be the best that they can be. Fantastic. Um, so I believe that you have kindly agreed to speak to us today about um, mental resilience. So a lot of us going back to work in January, um, I think there'll be quite a few people in teams that are facing a stressful workload as they go back. Yes, definitely. I'm hearing a lot about that. Yeah, <laughs> I think we can all identify with that to a certain extent. Um, okay, so having left 2020 behind which i think many of us will be quite glad about um we we're going into back into work in january um again under lockdown so we've got restrictions that will affect our work life and personal life could you share us some some insights with us on how practice leaders could support their teams um with some of the stress that that brings and and help reduce the impact on perhaps their uh, performance in work yeah so I, I suppose the first thing that springs to mind is about having a conversation and I, and I wonder sometimes if us leaders we're a bit nervous about asking a real question about how are you because we're actually frightened about where it will take us either because it'll add to our own workload which is probably quite heavy or because we might be faced with something that we feel a bit out of our depth to kind of deal with and one of the things that I observe is um actually sometimes people just need to be heard so so asking me everything okay and actually meaning everything okay and then kind of taking that conversation with that i think can be quite helpful um maybe ask folks where their stress level is on a score of one to ten and interestingly what i often find is people describe it as between a four and a six which you know on the face of it doesn't seem that high but um, in my line of work i talk about two types of stress acute and chronic So acute is, you know, a catastrophic incident, a car accident, a death of a loved one, something like that. But the chronic stress is the stuff that we deal with every day. You know, we're carers, we're teaching from home. Blimey, how many parents are you speaking to at the moment who are having fun with that one? Um, And the thing with acute and chronic is acute stress, we often get support, you know, PTSD, something like that. We'll get a therapist or something like that. But with chronic stress, we don't. We just have to get on with it. And that for me is the bit that uh, we can have the most amount of discussion around. So if they do say to you, my, my stress levels are six, you know, what are the ingredients of that score? And actually as leaders, is there anything that I can help dial down? So let's say me as an employee come to you as my leader and I say my stress levels are a six, I'm really worried about my attendance record because I'm having to do a lot of time with the kids or something like that. You as a leader can absolutely reassure me that, that I can take that off my list of things to worry about, do you know what I mean? 
The other thing I'd say is that as leaders, um, different things are needed uh, from us, from different people. We can't assume that uh, everybody needs the same thing from us. So one of my employees might just need me to listen. One of my employees might need me to just understand what's going on for me. Another employee might need practical help, you know, um, I don't know. So some employees might just, you know, do you know what, when I come to work, I'm not a parent or a carer or a teacher. And I, this is my time to be free, if you like, and be a bit me. Do you know what I mean? So for me, we have to understand what's going on for each of our team members and kind of give them what they need. But that means that we do have to have that conversation. Yeah. And that makes perfect sense. I think sometimes as well, from, from what you've just said there, I think um, certainly from, from my experience is that when you're asking me, what are your stress, what are the ingredients? I think that's the key thing because sometimes you can be stressing about something and it's not until you think, well, what is it that I'm stressing about that you know, then you can start to, to deal with yeah. it. You just feel stressed overall rather than thinking about the individual things. I think so. And I think sometimes we, um, Often when we're busy and we're stressed, we don't take the time to think about what's going on for us. And I think particularly sometimes, um, maybe this is just a me thing, but we can get a bit wrapped up in the, in the old noggin, do you know what I mean? And the things that we're stressing about actually aren't real. And all we have to do is say them out loud and somebody to go, yeah, that you don't need to worry about that. Or, or, or you know, just offer you a different perspective that makes you realise that the thing you were stressing about doesn't need to be stressed about. Absolutely. It's taking the time to stop and think, yeah. what is it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. So, in, in kind of along the same lines of that, then is um, we're probably seeing um, staff sickness as a more of a, a growing concern, whether that be actual kind of uh, sickness through the the pandemic, so through coronavirus, or it could just be the isolation. So, if you have to self isolate or you know whatever. Um, so. How could leaders overcome um, the stress for themselves um, and for the remaining team in terms of that, that growing concern of staff sickness? So I, I have um, a particular point of view on this, which says, just like any other, if you like, ailment that affects our well-being, stress deserves diagnosis. We wouldn't let a broken arm go undiagnosed. And for me, it feels like we let stress go undiagnosed. We don't spend the time to think about where it comes from, how it shows up, what impacts it's having. What we might find ourselves doing is reaching, if you like, for um, uh, some sort of mitigation strategy to deal with the symptoms of stress without necessarily understanding where it comes from. And for me, therefore, the first thing that we should always do is, is, uh, is, is it, um, Stephen Covey, seek first to understand, you know, what is our stress? Uh, where is it coming from? Uh, what's being jarred for us? And I use, um, um, it's called a mental toughness assessment. It, it's a method of kind of assessing how you respond to four C's. So this is commitment, control, challenge, and confidence. And I'll talk about a bit, a bit more about those in a second. But it talks about, you know, how do you respond to those things? And therefore, how might you respond uh, when things get tough? You know, what are the things that would go well or badly for you? So for example, if we take control, uh, control has two elements, you know, the extent to which I feel like I'm in control of my life or I'm a cork on a wave. And then you've got emotional control. So am I, am I the toddler that has a paddy? Or am I the swan? You never actually know what's going on for me. Do you know what I mean? And if we think about stress, if I'm if I'm more like the toddler, I'm going to kick off in the workspace maybe when things are bugging me. Now, what does that do to other people around me? What does that do to the relationships that I forge? What does that do to my ability to get things done in a crisis if I'm the girl who kicks off when things go a bit wrong? Do you know what I mean? Uh, when it comes to uh, commitment, the extent to which I like to set goals and then keep them, if or, or you know when I'm stressed. 
I kind of throw my hands up in the air and say, well, that's it. I can't do it. Uh, that's probably not going to be helpful when my workload is increasing. Do you know what I mean? It's probably going to exacerbate things. Um, challenge. Do I love a challenge or do I run from it? Do I learn from failure or do I run from it? And again, each of those kind of responses will determine whether or not life gets easier or harder when things get tougher, like my workload doubles or something like that. And then the last one, and this is actually the most um, volatile of all of the components, is our confidence. So, you know, whether you've heard of the expression confidence fighters or something like that, if I'm not feeling confident, the likelihood is when things get harder or worse in some way, I'm going to get more underconfident. And underconfidence is the biggest kind of detractor to our performance. So um, I don't know if you've heard, heard this expression before, but 80 percent of our performance is down to our mindset. So I'm feeling stressed. I'm feeling underconfident. I'm feeling out of control. I'm feeling too challenged. You know, the likelihood is I'm not going to be performing at my best just at a time when I need to be performing at my best. So seek first to understand what's going on for you. And then secondly, ask yourself a couple of questions. Uh, okay, so I'm underconfident, does it matter? Do I need to do anything about it? If I do, what could I do about it? Um, I'm feeling out of control, does that matter? What impact is it having? Do I need to do something that helps me feel in control? Now, we can't control COVID, but maybe we can control our response to COVID, for example. So there are things that we can control even when we think we're in situations that are out of our control. Yeah, and I think, again, that, that kind of goes back to <clears throat> what we were talking about previously. Everybody's individual. So you were saying it's, it's individuals, um, you know, that, that deal with things in different ways. So it's it's all about adapting, I suppose. I think it's we're all triggered in different ways. So there are two <laughs> elements, if you like, to our stress response. The first one is who we are as individuals, our personalities and things like that. And the second one is the life experiences we've had. So, you know, you and I could be almost identical in terms of our personalities, but let's say I've had a difficult childhood and you've had a less difficult childhood. We're going to approach things in different ways and see the world in different ways. So we're naturally going to respond very differently. So this idea that there's this, you know, top 10 things to build your stress, whose stress? Because we're yeah. not a modulus <laughs> beings, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so, so for me, so, if we don't so do the diagnosis, diagnosis, how can we possibly, can we learn, possibly learn what needs to be done? What needs to be done? Yeah. And yeah, it probably harks back to that thing, doesn't it? In the, it'd be boring if we were all the same. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> so we, where we just we've touched on stress there, or the, the stresses of dealing with kind of star sickness, um, stress-related absence. Obviously, that's going to mm -hmm. have an effect as well. Um, so, and it's, well, obviously, in a, in a work setting, I mean, obviously, we've got our, our stress in our personal life, but stress, obviously, that's not something that we we can necessarily chop off. Right, I'm going to work now, so I, you know, I don't have stress anymore. Um, so, how could we? How would you suggest that um, leaders could support um, team members to reduce the instances of of um, stress in the workplace? So, um, there was a health and safety executive report into stress-related absence. And it basically said, predominantly, there's two main reasons. The first one is a bad boss, and the second one is a heavy workload. So if we take the bad boss, right, are we sure that we're not making things worse as leaders? You know, what's the shadow that we cast? Do we know what kind of leader we are? Do we know how people receive our leadership? Uh, are we creating the conditions of success, or are we creating uh, conditions for stress to, to foster? Um, and um, I have an expression about accidental monsters. So I don't believe that leaders get out of bed to be monsters. And yet we've all got an instance of having a boss where we can, we're in, the minute I ask you that question, you're instantly transported back to that time working for that horrible boss, right? So for me, the more we can understand about the kind of boss we are, the better. So I, I use a, um, 
uh, an assessment method here which helps people understand the six components of their leadership style and the extent to which that this kind of helps them be the leader they want to be basically so the more we understand you know am i that bad boss i probably don't mean to be but am i the second thing is understanding about the heavy workload and i think this falls into a couple of things really really um sometimes i think there's something about empowering the people around us to say no uh and then that links to my second point which is role modeling so if our, i as a leader never never overtly stop doing something or say no to something i'm probably inadvertently giving out a subliminal message that says it's not okay for you to say no or to stop doing something so what's the role modeling we can do as leaders to say hello everybody and this is going to be a caricature for effect but hello everybody i just want you to know i've just said no to janine from accounts on this piece of work because quite frankly we're a bit busy at the moment um you know I, I need to just kind of i need to be clear that it to you that it's okay to say no but i also overtly need to role model that behavior as well i think there's also something as well about leaders showing a bit of vulnerability and this this kind of makes the leaders feel a bit icky invariably so i kind of need to share with people you know i'm having a tough time at the moment as well i'm feeling a bit stressed with my workload i'm having to make some tough decisions about stopping this and starting that and sometimes I think we think that showing that vulnerability makes us weak, but actually what it does is it helps normalize everything around us that, you know, each of us in our own way is dealing with something. We're all having to make decisions in the moment and we're all probably worrying about the ramifications of those decisions and whether we're making the right decisions or whether we'll live to regret them or something like that. But I think the more that leaders can kind of share, not necessarily, you know, um, hi boss, how you doing? Oh my God, you won't believe the day I've had. You know, I'm not saying like that, but just kind of saying, yeah, it's good. I'm having to make some tricky conversations, you know, tricky conversations at the moment, tricky decisions, you know, hoping I'm getting the right, you know, hoping doing, I'm right, doing the right thing. I think the more we can share some of that vulnerability, I think that it makes it okay for other people. Yeah, it makes it, I suppose it's, it's more identifiable and, and more, well, I don't know whether that's the right phrase I'm going to use, but more human that we're, you know, yeah. we're all in the same boat. Oh, I had a beautiful expression that says, uh, we're in the same storm, but not necessarily the same boat. Yes, I was going to say, as soon as I said that, I was thinking there's a better saying to that. And that's yeah. exactly it. <laughs> I think so. And I think also um, the worst thing we can be as leaders is the perception of what, what's it called? The great man theory, you know, the perception of superhuman in some way, because actually um, what I observe is that makes other people feel more inadequate in some way. Well, the boss is coping. Why aren't I? So the more that we can share that actually day to day, you know, we're, we're not being crippled by some of the decisions that we're making, but they are giving us, you know, they're, 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 they're tickling us in terms of our challenge and things like that, you know, so, you know, don't go moaning on all of your team, but certainly kind of sharing some of the challenges you're having just so that they feel cool that they're, they're having some of those challenges too. And from that, from what you're saying there, it's it's a little bit of lead by example because you're saying that's making them identifiable, but you've also mentioned in the role play as well, lead by example in that you know do as I say and not as I do, so to speak, in that yes. this is acceptable behaviour. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. I, um, I, I remember being stood on the bridge of a ship once uh, in the middle of a catastrophic incident, which is definitely for a, you know a, a time with a beer, maybe at some point in the. <laughs> <laughs> maybe 2023 um and uh, things weren't going very well and i noticed you know the folks that were on the bridge looking at me they were all looking to me to see how i was responding so if i had shown um, a particular emotion then they'd have mirrored that whereas if i showed another emotion they'd have mirrored that and i think it's the same in the workplace you know if we're walking around acting like we're superhuman then it i think 
folks feel like they need to aspire to that. Whereas if we can walk around like normal human beings kind of going, yeah, life's a bit tough at the moment, isn't it? But I'm doing the best I can given the information I have. We'll probably yeah. get that same response. Yeah. And, you know, and I think, as you said, that's perfectly reasonable as well, given what's going on in the in the world or even at normal times, we, we all as humans have uh, various different problems or whatever going on in our lives. So it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, nice to be able to, to show that you're no different, like you say, not superhuman. No. You mentioned there about high workload. Um, so that's, that's uh, something that I think a lot of us will have faced last year. Um, coming into the new year, we're, we're in a similar position. Would there be any coping mechanisms that, that could be introduced to help the team with, with this higher workload that we many of us will have to deal with? So I'm, I'm conscious that I don't know, uh, you know, practice plan and uh, what it does, you know, particularly intimately. But um, there's kind of three things that I'd recommend. So the first one is, and, I, and again, this may be a reflection of just, you know, me, but um, get it out of your head. Sometimes I find that when when we've got quite a lot going on and it's all trapped in our heads, it feels bigger than it probably is. So the first thing I'd say is commit it to something, paper, mind maps, lists, mood boards, post-its, whatever your you know method of choice is, the digital environment, you can tell how old hand I am because each of those was manual then, can't you? Um, <laughs> but for me, the more we can get that out of our head, it stops feeling very large. And, and actually that probably dials down the stress immediately. The second thing um, is uh, collaborate. So when I was going through my basic training, um, I was really rubbish at polishing shoes, you know, to that really high shine, uh, but I was really good at ironing. So rather than me spending three hours to try and, oh, it, it's called bullying shoes, you know, uh, to a high standard, I would swap basically with somebody else who was really good at, who was really rubbish at ironing, because it would take me five minutes to iron and then five minutes to pull my shoes. So who around you? is good at things that you can trade swap. What are you good for? So rather than you spending three hours doing something that's on your list, can somebody else do it in five minutes and you do something for them for five minutes? Um, joint effort, I'm yeah. a massive fan of collaboration. I hate sitting in a darkened room on my own trying to come up with the answers with things. You always get a better and faster response if you collaborate in some way. That may feel countercultural or you know counterintuitive given your timescales, but I promise you one hour spent in a virtual room with somebody probably will produce far more than you spending that same hour on your tot. Um, and lastly, outsource. Now, this might sound a bit weird, but um, there's a cost benefit analysis to be done here. So let's say uh, it takes you X hours to do something and your hourly rate is Y. I bet you for some of those things that there's somebody out there would cost less than your hourly rate to do things. And in times of um, you know, uh, financial austerity or financial difficulty, I think some organizations are nervous about spending money, but if they only did the cost benefits analysis, and, and even let's get really mischievous. Let's say you take three days off work due to stress. Let's say you take three weeks off work due to stress. I bet paying that typist to do your reports is far cheaper than the loss of you out of the workplace for three days, three weeks, three months, yeah. whatever it might yeah. be. And then lastly, prioritise. This is a this is a no brainer, right? But um, in my line of work, I've got a little uh, scoring mechanism that I apply to things to do. A, B, C, D. A is will make me money. B is might make me money. C is might not make me money. And D is won't make me money. And I and I attribute things to those scores. Now, in your line of work, those particular categories may not be appropriate. But what's your equivalent? How could you look through your list of things to do, which you've already mind mapped or vomited onto post-its or whatever it might be? What is the score mechanism you could put on there? 
And then I think, you know, look at things, park stuff, can it wait? If you've parked it for two months and nobody's cried, can you ditch it altogether? Uh, there are some times that we make decisions, you know, in the moment and we're not necessarily going to be sure. So I made a decision on board one of my uh, last ships where I chose to do A instead of B. Um, and it nearly ended up in court martial. I don't, I don't say that lightly, but ultimately I made a decision at the time based on the facts I had available at the time. Uh, so sometimes, you know, we, we might need to be a bit kind to ourselves, where we made a decision based on the information we have at the time, where in retrospect, maybe there was a different decision to be made. But ultimately, you know, we can only deal with the facts we have available at the time. So, you know, I think put in your list, you know, am I going to do it? And if so, in what priority am I going to do it based on might make me money, won't make me money or whatever your equivalent is. Uh, park things, see if they can wait. And you might find that, you know, left long enough, they can then be ditched. Yeah. Yeah, no, and uh, do you know what? Yeah, I was just thinking, you made me giggle there where you said, I'm old school, I'm exactly the same, writing stuff down. Um, a, it gives you the opportunity to do that prioritisation as well. But B, a big one for me is a um, pen and paper by the side of the bed. Because yes. always when I go to bed, that's when all those things that I haven't managed to do through the day start wearing through my mind. And I just, if I can put it on a piece of paper, then it's almost like you say, it's taken out of your mind. It's on the yeah. piece of paper. Now I can do what I've come to do, which is go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I also think um, I can't remember the the uh, the you know the specifics of it, but there's a very um, psychological physiological connection when you do something with your hands for something that's in your head. Um, I think I remember in some of the learning theories that if you write stuff down at the same time as you're learning in, it's got three times fold, uh, you know, better stickability in your brain. So for me, there is something helpful about that kind of pen and paper thing, um, and also. It kind of sticks in your brain um if you've got a little bit of a you know a, a photographic memory it will come back to you you know you'll be able to picture it on the post-it that was on the le far left of your notice board or something like that so um but for me you know if you once it's out of your head you can then see it and then you know what to do with it what i observe is people get stuck in stasis because it's just bombing around the head like a ping pong ball you know in a in a closed space yes and and they completely identify with that as well in the respect of, of writing things down. One of my biggest failures, um, I think, in in previous years was I won't write that down because I'll remember it. God no. <laughs> <laughs> in meetings, now I write everything down, and whether I need it to write it down or not, like you say, it's just a case of actually physically putting it down. It stays in my head for that much longer. Yes. Yes. I mean, just this week, I had a conversation with a colleague of mine who would like me to. Um, uh, run a webinar on on just this very topic and I was like yeah I know this topic like the back of my hand I won't write anything down and then afterwards I'm thinking actually there was some nuance there you know because it's a different audience and it's a different kind of set of challenges that I've now lost because I didn't write it down yeah yeah well, we've got some brilliant learnings from that thank you ever so much um, it's yeah, been no really lovely talking to you um, and I'm sure there'll be a, a lot of uh, content there that people will be able to to utilise uh, and hopefully uh, help them out within these stressful times. I hope so. And um, I wish everyone at Practice Plan, you know, a, a great 2021. And hopefully we can start to see, see some of that stress dial down a smidge. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And, and the same to you, Joanna. So uh, hopefully we, we will speak again soon. But in the meantime, thank you ever so much for taking the time to talk to us today um, and all the best for the new year. Thank you very much. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. Thank you.